Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Simon Hughes and Simon Mann with you here to look back at the first day's play in the first test from Antigua. West Indies against England, the renamed Richards Botham Trophy. It used to be the Wisdom Trophy, of course, didn't it? But now it's the Richards Botham Trophy. And England battling their way to 268 for six at the end of the first day's play. Actually, that's quite high prosperity, considering what they were at just before lunch, Simon. It wasn't the most riveting day's play, one has to say. If you think back to some of the great cricket we've watched from the Caribbean or in the Caribbean... It, it wasn't that memorable, but well done to England and Bairstow for getting through in the end. Yeah, fairly attritional, wasn't it, really? Two sides sort of feeling their way, fighting hard, perhaps just lacking a bit of quality. Bairstow actually did provide a bit of quality. It was a fine innings from Bairstow, slowest Test 100 for England. Weston is not quite having enough to force home their advantage early on when they reduced England to 48 for four. And England battling hard, looked a bit sketchy at the top. A few mistakes, I think, at the top. It was it was testing early on, but a few mistakes from the the top order. Uh, all in all, I think probably ultimately quite a satisfying day for England. Bearing in mind uh, the dryness of the pitch, I think there's a lot of talk about the fact that the pitch was quite dry. And might you know might be, become harder to bat on as the game goes on. So England have got some runs in the bank, not perhaps as many as they would have liked, but at two sixty eight for six. You know, they're in a position which they can exert some sort of control over the game. I think, they, you know, they'd love, love another 100, wouldn't they, from the last four wickets. And there's a little bit of batting there to come. Besto still in. Wokes playing well in at number eight. And they've still got Overton, Wood and Leach to come, who are capable, although the new ball has just been taken. So West Indies get one in the morning. Then, yeah, it could be bang, bang, bang. But overall, I think England will be reasonably happy after, well, they were in a terrible situation when they at 48 for four. Mm. I suppose, actually, one of the reasons why it, it seems a bit insipid as a day's play is partly because 
the atmosphere in a Caribbean ground isn't like it used to be, is it? I mean, if you compare Antigua now, this new Sir Vivian Richards Stadium, compared to the, the fantastic wreck, the Antigua Recreation Ground in St. John's, which was just a an absolute hubbub of kind of craziness, really, music and dancing and crying and shouting and yelling and cheering. It was it was fantastic uh, spectacle, theatre, wasn't it, of of cricket? And oh, I, I saw the Brian Lara's 3.75 there breaking the world record. Then you saw him break the world record again to 400. And it, it, this place, it's like, I think I described it once as like a bit, bit like an airport. It's like, well, certainly the stands are like airport lounges. So it just doesn't have that sort of same atmosphere at all, which I guess doesn't help the cricket, really. No, it's a, re- it's a really good point, actually, Oz. I was sort of looking round the ground and you're looking for West Indies supporters there and there were hardly any. It was it was England supporters there enjoying holidays, you know, over from from the winter, cold conditions over here, enjoying a, a Caribbean holiday and you know, relaxing, enjoying the cricket. And you're you're right, it it it, it did really lack something. It's something we've become used to, I think, in re- in recent tours as well. But it it doesn't add that much to the cricket. You you need that home support, I think, to to give it that atmosphere. And you're you're right as well. The, the you know the ground is very open. It's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's windy, it, isn't it? Almost. It, it was windy. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah. never helps. Either, no, it doesn't. It's, it's very wind, very windy day. You're right. And cricket on a windy day is never that much fun for for anyone really. Uh, I used to hate it actually. We play, play club mm. cricket on a windy day. It was horrendous, and you you know you, just, you couldn't hear anybody. Uh, you know, or your angles, you got all your angles wrong. Uh, bowling, batting, it was hard to sort of just. I don't know. It, it, it just. I think sport in the wind actually doesn't work generally, does it? I mean, rugby, unless you're, whatever, a, well, unless you're a yachtsman, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are one or two sports, obviously, uh, but the, the, the major sports, <laughs> the major sports when it's very windy. All it, sports. It, no, I yeah. mean, tennis in the wind. Actually, the the worst one of all, <laughs> and I have this sometimes in my back garden. Shows where I live, doesn't it? London. Uh, table tennis in the yeah. wind. That's yeah. not good, is it, actually? Well, the fact we're talking about table tennis in the wind suggests it wasn't <laughs> the most riveting days of cricket to start the series. But I, th- I think one thing that can happen from a, a sort of, as you say, insipid first day, underwhelming first day, sometimes you can it can actually develop into a very good match. So it, it may be that it'd be quite good for the game if England don't get a huge score in their first innings and West Indies respond. And, and you know, then we get a nice tight uh, tussle. The pitch is slow, though, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and, it, you know, it's... Cricket, when the pitch is slow, is is not ideal. When the pitch is a bit too good and too much in favour of the, well, we've seen the, that the in batting. the Pakistan oh, Australia exactly. test. Yeah, I we? mean they waited they waited twenty four years uh, for that series in Pakistan, and you know we, everyone just wasted their first five days or the last five days. Haven't they? they were fourteen wickets in five days. Australia taking four wickets. One of those was a run out as well. Brilliant piece of fielding, I have to say, by Manus Labuschagne. But yeah, the pitch is so so important. I know it sounds like a you know, stunningly obvious point to make but they you need to have a pitch that gives something to the bowlers and to be fair in Antigua there's there's a bit there for the bowlers it swung a bit as well actually swung quite a lot early on well actually Caribbean pitches you know you think of the Caribbean as hot and baked surfaces and so on but traditionally they've never been that easy to bat on they've always I mean obviously there were times in the sort of 80s and 90s where they were very bad to bat on because of the quality of the West Indies fast bowlers but even when the quality of the bowlers isn't as high it, they're not easy pitches to dominate on. They do get easier, 
But certainly with the new ball, and I think the other thing is, I'd, I'd just say the Duke's ball makes so much difference. I mean, I've never seen the ball swing in the Caribbean, but obviously now they're using the Dukes, they do. It, it really does. And it just gives those bowlers an, an extra bit of advantage, which I just think English opening batsmen have just got to be a bit more uh, uh, cute about their shot selection because especially against a Duke's ball, it's going to do something early on and you, you can't afford to play loose drives. This is something Zach Crawley particularly is going to have to really get really ingrained in his head if he wants to make a career as a test opener because wherever he plays, if he's playing in either England, New Zealand, I think South Africa, do they use Dukes there? And certainly West Indies. You know, the, the ball is just going to do a bit early on and you can't afford to play big expansive drives. Even if the ball looks like it's quite full and juicy, you've got to be a bit more circumspect early on. You look at the, the wickets that fell, uh, Alex Lees in his first test, good bit of bowling by uh, by Kemar Roach to, to bowl a couple across him from round the wicket and then one that sort of held its line, probably just natural variation, not deliberate, but hit him on the pads, not very far forward, but a good length, foolish length, LBW. Then Crawley going for a wild drive, and uh, I say wild, it was it wasn't it wasn't a very controlled shot, and he, he loses his shape sometimes when he tries to drive, and his right shoulder and his right hand come through and cause him to play across the line of a an off, an off stump ball, and that's what partly caused the inside edge. And then Stokes also out to a foolish ball, well a Yorker which swung and he tried to drive and it just did a little bit. And, and Joe Root out to a foolish ball, which he misjudged. So it's that fuller length, especially with the Dukes, that can just cause that bit of bit of trouble. And you've just got to, you've got to put the drive away. And if you look at Johnny Bairstow's 109 in 216 balls, he, he scored five from his first 30 balls or something. Uh, he didn't try and drive. He just li- literally defended and looked to hit the short ball, which was... Absolutely the way to go. Yeah, you look at his wagon wheel, there's not barely anything down the ground at all. It was it was square with the wicket. And yeah, the cut and the pull shot, it, it, it worked well for him today. It was, it was a fine innings. And you know, we've said it was a you know, rather underwhelming day. Not for Bairstow, it was a classy innings. It was a, it was a top-class innings from Johnny Bairstow. You know, in at number six, I mean, he's been up and down, wicketkeeper, three, whatever. Um I always felt I've always felt it that he he's in the top you know six batters in the country. I've I've always felt it, and, and yeah, I felt he's been messed around a bit, and the, you know he's lost form and confidence and whatever. Uh, but he's he's pulled out two fine innings in his his last two Test matches, Sydney and uh, and this one. And it you know who knows it might well be the the innings that sort of, you know, is the sort of bedrock of a potential England victory. It's a long way to go, of course. Uh, but you You've know, noticed I, that he's changed his method yeah. a bit. Just moved, yeah. I mean, he was Slightly. quite open, wasn't he? He was getting bowled quite a lot. Um, he almost was not quite exactly, but using his his, his one day method where he's quite open, looking to beast the ball through the offside in, in Test cricket. Just gone gone across a bit, yeah. Tightened up, mm. um, and 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 that's it. It seems to have made him a, a little bit more solid, uh, scoring on the offside and and the onside as well. Uh, you know, it was, it was there was a really bizarre moment when he was given out on fifty nine. I mean, that was weird, wasn't it? I mean, they, they, all the West Indies fielders, you know, went up for it. The wicketkeeper went up for it. Umpire fired him out, and then they showed the replay. He was actually nowhere near it. So there must there must have been some sort of sense. Perplexing, isn't it, as a batter to to play a shot 
and you know, oh well, that's you know, it's just gone through the week. Everyone appeals, the umpire gives you out. You think, hold on a second, what's going on here? This is this is some sort of re- sort of a, a, a alternative universe you're operating in. Uh, but that, and that's why the to- technology really helps you out. And he was saying, well, I, I, have I touched that? And sometimes you see batters go, well, have I touched that? And yeah, and they, you see a big spike on the on the ultra edge. But he didn't even need the ultra edge uh, to show the fact that he'd missed it by quite a long way. He also he did survive a double umpire's call on an LBW shout. It was uh, it was umpire's call for line and for hitting, and it was given not out. So it so you know he got away with that. That would have been a marginal one. So that you know there was there were a few moments along the way but generally speaking it was a it was extremely uh, solid and, and confident and well well thought out innings mm, very uh, very uh, much so yeah. uh, two other people to, to point out i suppose to highlight ben stokes 36 of 95 balls he was even slower than Bearstow to start with and you know he does seem to get a bit stuck doesn't he i mean obviously he's decided that batting at five this is his way he's going to really take his time to get in and not play any rash shots early on not try to assert himself just literally bide his time it gets a bit strokeless i think stokeless should i say and uh i don't know how long have you been thinking of that one (laughs) (laughs) you know well it's funny isn't it bearstow had partnerships with stokes folks and wokes yeah bizarre that'll be one for the trivia kings so so to ben stokes then do you think he's just battling with himself a bit? I mean, he, he made the comment, didn't he, before this, this series started, that he, he felt he let everyone down in Australia. And, you know, he hadn't had a great deal of cricket coming into Australia. Very little. And, you know, it, well, he wasn't even named in the original party, of course. But, he, you know, he, he, did, he was determined to be out there. He, ple- he played very well in that uh, Sydney Test match. But apart from that, it was it was really slim pickings. He's still battling with himself, trying to work out a method to sort of get himself back into suppose, sort suppose, of test yeah. match cricket almost. I, I think it is that. And also, I just think... Sometimes batsmen are better off if they have a, a sort of go-to shot. You know, the Joe Root back back cut or, you know, guide on the offside or, uh, you know, an Asda Cook to work through the leg side or, or a cut or whatever. Uh, Bearstow very strong on the pull and the cut. Uh, I'm not, I just don't know what Ben Stokes' sort of signature shot is, really. And I, I, does he know either? I don't know. He's, he's very strong kind of bunting it back past the bowler so between the bowler and mid on, but this wasn't a, a driving pitch, so he was a bit restricted. I mean, I know he's been working on his hand positions. Uh, his bottom hand tends to sort of choke the blade sometimes and make him hit slightly too much to the leg side, and he's been trying to open that bottom hand grip a little bit so that he can hit the ball more fluently through the offside. I just think it, perhaps it wasn't a pitch that. You know, he might prefer a pitch with a bit more pace, that he can use the pace and guide it and, you know, clip clip it through mid-wicket and stuff. And this wasn't so easy for him. Ben Folks, you know, did did what we kind of expected, didn't he? He, he looked good. He looked accomplished. He looks quite classy. I guess, you know, he, he, he people will say, well, he should always have played uh, instead of Butler. I think what England was, was seeking with Butler was to for him to become an Adam Gilchrist. For him to become someone who just totally seized the initiative and took a game away from an opposition and averaged, you know, 45 or something and cut a tiring bowling attack to ribbons. But he has never quite quite got there, has he? So folks will do a, a professional job and obviously he's the best keeper. And he played a nice little innings there, uh, you know, supporting Bearstow and then Chris Wokes at the end. So England sort of 48 for four, 268 for six. What's that? 220 for two in the latter half of the day, the second half of the day. 
yeah, partnerships of 67, uh, 99, and then an unbroken 50 stand for the seventh wicket has yeah, put England in a, in a reasonable position after the first day. Uh, just going back to the Stokes dismissal, you're talking about his signature shot. Well, I mean, one of his strokes is that is that pull for four, isn't it, where he hits it well in front of square and he latches onto it. And he, was just, he actually played that shot a couple of times um, in, in the afternoon session and was looking good. He was, he was, he, I think it looked as if he was just coming to terms with it and he played that pull shot. And I don't know whether he was expecting Seals to bowl another short ball, but he was hanging back. He pitched it right up and it, it swung late. It was a good, quite a good delivery from Seals and Stokes was on the drive. His, his, his weight was in the wrong place and he, he nicked it into his leg stump. What, what do you make of... Uh, Jaden Seals, then Yoz. Uh, I liked him pr- actually. Promising yeah. young bowler. He's only yeah. twenty. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people talking about him, saying you know he's he's he's, he's a future star. He picked up two for sixty four today. Nineteen overs, two for sixty four. He got rid of Crawley and Stokes, so two uh, top order wickets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you make of him? I mean, he he only played one. He only played one first class game before getting into international cricket. So it just shows that that quite often happens in places like the Caribbean. He reminds me a little bit of Azari Joseph, actually, in the way that he bowls, in that he's quite wide of the crease, but still looking to swing it away. Good wrist action. Uh, somebody who, a bit like Jimmy Anderson, it looks as if the ball is coming into the right-hander, but then he gets the ball to swing late. I think with a bit of better control, uh, he'll be really, really good. He's got a lovely late outswinger. Just needs to learn a bit about how to use it. I think he probably could do with getting slightly closer to the stumps. Partly because if it's not swinging, it's harder to bowl the right line if you're wide of the crease. And he just needs to get in a little bit. But I think generally very promising. He's a kind of, you know, the new type of the new generation of West Indian fast bowler. They're not six foot five and absolutely breakneck speed. They are 130 kilometres, what, sort of 81, 82 miles an hour and looking to swing and seam it, which I guess is indicative of partly the, the way the Caribbean pitches are, partly the way Caribbean people are. They're, they're, not, they're not seeking to be out and out quicks anymore. They like that. And, and actually, the, the, the sort of fast-medium bowlers are the, are the successful ones in test cricket, really. The, the sort of Tim Southies and Trent Bolts and obviously Jimmy and, and Broad and people like that. Pat Cummins is a bit quicker. But it's that sort of 82 to 85 miles an hour, which is a sort of specialist area uh, for, for these guys now, isn't it? Yeah, those people who haven't seen Jaden Seals, who weren't, weren't watching today, haven't seen his, his test career so far. I was looking at the speed gun today quite closely, actually. You say, well, is he, is he rapid? Is he you know young, tearaway quick? No, he's not. He's, he's one, 136 kilometres an hour is about the, the speed he was bowling at uh, quite yeah. consistently. So, you know, that sort of backs up your point. He's sort of in, in the 80s rather than sort of moving towards the 90s. And, but he, yeah, but he, he was able to sing. I think there's a feeling that he could bowl quicker. Mm. As he as he you know develops, I mean he's it only fills out. Yeah. yeah, he's only yeah. he's only twenty years of age. I mean that that's still pretty young, isn't it? And you you can you know from the age of twenty to twenty three, you can put on a bit of pace. So an extra bit of pace as well with what you know, some of his attributes. Anyway, he's he's a cricketer uh, worth watching. We saw Kimar Roach. We've seen a lot of very experienced bowler. Uh, two for 71 from his 16 overs. And, but, I mean, the man who really caught the eye for West Indies then just sort of bottled it up, really, and made it quite attrition, actually, was Jason Holder. 16 overs, nine maidens, uh, two for 15. I mean, he's, 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 again, he's no great pace, is he? But he's, he, no, he, he causes bats some problems. He's hard to drive because of his height and actually because of his lack of pace. There have been a few bowlers uh, around in, in English cricket. There were two I can remember well who were similar. 
Martin Bicknell, bowled for years for Surrey, and people used to say about him sometimes, he did me in the flight, you know, because he wasn't, he got a great big long run up and he was a big tall boy and he only bowled at sort of 78 miles an hour and you sometimes were a bit early on the shot and sort of spooned it into the gully. And another one was Tim Munton. He played for, for England as well a little bit, didn't he? He played for Warwickshire. And again, he was tall and strong, but didn't bowl all that quick. And sometimes you just play too early. So case in point, Dan Lawrence, just a little bit early on that ball from from uh, Jason Holder, which was nearly a half volley, but not quite. But with the height and the slight slowness of the pitch, it just ended up in, in Gully's uh, hands. <laughs> So here's a question for you. Now, the West Indies had a, a big slogan on their shirts. Did you spot it? And do you know what it was? Crick toes? Do you know yours? I did. And I looked it up as well. And I thought, aye, aye, I reckon this is NFT. I reckon this is non-fungible tokens. So I did have a look at it. And yeah, indeed, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? I, I, that sponsorship actually did catch my eye. You could hardly miss it, can you? Blazing and blazing. So what the is it then? Come on. Well, I, I went on. It's something to do with the ICC, isn't it? It's non-fungible yeah. tokens. So you can, you can, I still don't fully understand it, where you can actually buy, you can buy. Well, I, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it is, right? It's non-fungible tokens. You're right. NFTs. And in this case, it's an offering from the ICC, which is little clips, clips of action from ICC tournaments, notable clips. So, uh, and you can choose one and buy it basically and own it. And uh, it's, it's what's called a collectible. So you can own that clip and sell it on if you want, but certainly you can, you can own it. And the sort of clips I'm talking about are, you know, it might be Wazzy Macram taking a couple of wickets in the uh, World Cup final in 1992, or, you know, any, you know, there are hundreds of examples of great moments. Now, what do you think is the most valuable sort of 10 second highlights clip from an ICC event. What 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 one moment is the one that will be most sought after? And think, Indi think India. Yeah, well, I was going to think India, <laughs> obviously. Uh, do you know the answer to this? Yes, I do, yeah. Okay, well, I reckon it's probably MS Dhoni winning the World Cup. You got it. Was it? You got yeah. it in one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so you can actually go on the ICC site and buy that for yourself. And well, no I don't think you can no yet because they're holding that back. I've spoken to the guy um, that's developed all these um, little clips, and there's there's hundreds of them. And sometimes with with a sort of Shahid Afridi big heave over mid wicket in a, a an earlier World Cup 2007 or something, there'll probably be a thousand copies of it. But for the Dhoni big ah. six to win the World Cup, there'll be a scarcity value, so there'll only be five or ten printed probably that are available. And they will go, when they eventually are available, they'll probably go for 50 grand, maybe more. Could be, could be 100 grand. And base, this is based on um, the experience of the NBA, the National Basketball Association in the States, who created a, a range of clips called NBA Top Shots, which are all the rage in, in the States, people buying them up, um, you know, little clips of great moves in basketball from the last 10 or 15 years. And you can own that clip and you get uh, a couple of little extra bits with it, some stats and a little biog of the player and, and so on. And might, maybe a 3D sort of image or something. And you can buy that. And some of those were selling for 50 grand, 70 grand. It raised something like 
I've forgotten how many million, but it's an astonishing amount of money that people in the States are absolutely um, gagging for them. And so they're a collectible. You, you've got it, and you're like with the, with the Dhoni shot that wins the World Cup, there are five of them or ten of them, and you're one of the five, five or ten owners yeah. in the world, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, exactly. So, so how does that do... affect... How does that affect... So here's the question. What, how does that affect whether you can show it on on a television channel then well you well i mean if you if you show if you show previous icc events and you bought the rights to those events does that mean you can't show it anymore because the icc have said only people who collect and pay the money have got that particular incident that that won't be the case because the the skies and the espn's and whoever else fox tv whoever it is in each country will have a an arrangement with the icc they will be allowed to use certain clips or certain highlights from you know previous tournaments that'll be built in to their deal with the ICC but in future in future deals i presume some of this stuff will be restricted yeah. yes and i mean at the moment there i think there's a it's a bit of a gray area so the broadcasters can presumably still show these clips but in the future they can't be sold on except by the person who owns them yeah who's well, bought them well, we, we we aren't being paid by the ICC to promote these uh, no. NFTs. We, but I, but like you, I noticed what was on the ch- shirts today, and I I know you had your Ashes uh, NFTs, your non non fungible tokens, tokens, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the, the hundred great Ashes players. Um, yeah, but one of whom, of course, has now died. I mean, another yeah. one has died. I mean, extraordinary with, with Shane Warne and Rod yeah. Marsh. Both of those were in our hundred Ashes heroes, of mm. course. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I still can't, still can't believe it. Yeah. And of course, someone else. You know, we've, we've talked about Rod Marsh and Shane Warne in our podcast, our last podcast. We didn't mention Sonny Ramadan, who, who no. died, died as well. Who was part of that sort of that great double act that helped West Indies, Ramadan and Valentine, helped West Indies win that their first ever Test match at Lords uh, right back in in 1915. They wrote a calypso about it, famous calypso, didn't they? Those two pals of mine, Ramadan and Valentine. I'm not going to sing it, but people can do it much better than me. So yeah, three great cricketers. Who've, who've died um, recently and uh, yeah re- really sad news and, and you know a real blow for the for the game of cricket I mean it's yeah so many so many people it's, it's such a it's amazing isn't it with Shane Warne he he did transcend the game because so many people who not really cricket interested have you know asked mm. me about it in the last few days you know, he, it has been a topic of conversation mm. and, the, and the shock that, that people have, have felt at, at the, the passing of Shane Warne and imagine what his uh all of the century would go for in an yeah. NFT, yeah. If that ever were to happen, yeah. Well, what I mean, it's been, might, although maybe people have seen it so many times that they don't. It's perhaps lost its value. Slightly. Well, Gat, Gat didn't see it, did he? <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. No. So okay, Yoz, um, we've had the first day of the of the first Test match. Let's bring it back to events in Antigua. England never won a Test match uh, in Antigua. Where do you, where do you think they sit with two sixty eight for six? on the board after the first day? I don't think it's going to be easy for the West Indies to get a lead. I think England could get another 70, say, 60 or 70, 330, 340 maybe. And I, I, I don't... It'll take a bit of time for the West Indies to get level. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it's one of those sort of nondescript scores, isn't it, where neither side's on top. But... How the how's the pitch going to play? It's going to dry out. It's going to be quite dusty. Wind will have an impact on it as well. Uh, it, I think it's going to be quite a tough game all round. I, I 
can sort of see a draw, but uh, you know, it, it's 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 not going to be a riveting game somehow. Well, I don't it, think. Well, it wasn't. I think it was a riveting day today. Was it best? Did it elevate it? What about England's attack though? Is is it an attack that can exploit these conditions? It it just looks a bit thin to me. I mean, mm. Mark Mark Wood has, has got the capability. Of course, he has if he gets his rhythm right. But it is quite a slow pitch. And there's Chris Wokes and. Craig Overton, and then mm. there's Jack Leach, who you know who had a really tough yeah. time of it in Australia. And is Ben Stokes going to bowl? He, we're hearing that you know he bowled in the, a few overs in the warm-up game, didn't he, the other day? I've been told he, he wouldn't bowl. Is he you know is he fully fit? How many overs is he going to be able to bowl? It's not that doesn't look the strongest England bowling attack. Some, you know someone's going to have to really stand up in in that attack and sort of you know I suppose do what. Andrew Strauss do what Joe Root sort of demanded of them really is to really take your opportunity in the in the next few days. I mean, Craig Overton didn't even play in Australia. He was you know persona not needed uh, during mm. that Ashes series. Jack Leach struggled. Chris Wokes struggled. Only only Mark Wood of those of that England bowling attack for this game you know, showed anything like in in Australia. I suppose it's going to depend on whether the West Indies batsmen show patience and application. Obviously, Craig Brathwaite's got that in spades. Um, it depends who else can support him, really. And England will try the same approach as the West Indies. It'll be a bit attritional. England's bowlers are probably slightly more accurate than than uh, than the West Indies overall. So it's going to be slow. It's going to be a slow day. It's going to be a bit of a grind. Um, England need 350 plus to, to put the pressure on. Did you see anything from the slow left armers per mole? Per Not mall? yet. No? Not yet, but... It may, that might develop. I mean, I've seen it turn in Antigua on this ground before. So, yeah, that, that might be, come into it. But England really have only got Jack Leach. So, I don't know. It, I think well, they've got just... Joe. They've got Joe Root, haven't they? They've yeah, got Joe Root true. can bowl Root and and Leach. We we forgot mm-hmm. Root actually because he did take a few wickets in in the Ashes. So he may may come into it as well. But Mol's had a strange Test career, hasn't he? He's played what seven Tests in ten years. He made his debut back in. 2012. He's got a very good first-class average, taking them at, at 20. But England, well, on the first day pitch, he sort of a holding job really. And they just they eventually just picked him off. Then they they looked had a look at him to start with, and then gradually picked him off. And he he was largely ineffective. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out in terms of of spin. But I mean, Joe Root did say at the toss, this pitch. It looks dry. I mean, it's a bit tacky on top, but it's dry underneath. And normally when that happens with, with pitches, later on in the game, it can be quite tricky. So if England can set West Indies something eventually uh, in the fourth innings of the game, on the late on the fourth day into the fifth day, then just possibly they might have a, a chance in the game, which looks so unlikely, didn't it, at, at 48 for four. It looked like same again and two two wickets early, the openers both out. It was, just looked like we were watching a, a video from a previous test match or just about every test match England played in the last two or three years. All right then, Yoz, that's it. Uh, one day gone, uh, 14 more uh, available. Uh, England probably just shading, yeah, ultimately shading that first. I don't know whether they're influenced by the fact that you know, they recovered from 48 for four, but uh, overall at the start of the day's play, if you said England were going to be 268 for six, you'd say, yeah, solid enough day. But I suppose from where they were, ultimately a pretty good day for them. Right, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow to review the second day's play and we'll find out where we are then. Goodbye for now. The king was there well attire, so they started with Ray and Stolmeyer. 
collie was hitting balls round the boundaries, but Waddle stopped him at 20. Ray had confidence, so he put up a strong defense. He saw the king was waiting to see, so he gave him a century. With those little pals of mine, Sports Social Podcast Network.